Sylvia and me. Sylvia and Sylvia and me. Sylvia and Sylvia and me. Sylvia and Sylvia and me. Hi, I'm Sylvia Beckerman. Join me today as I talk to an extraordinary woman who is changing the world by making a difference in her life and the lives of those around her. Hi, my name is Therese Plummer. I'm an audiobook narrator and actor and storyteller. Welcome to Sylvia and me. Therese, thank you so much. I am so delighted to be here with you today that you could be here with me today. This is going to be a lot of fun. So yes, you've narrated some, you know, audio books, let's say over 400 audio books. You won the 2020 Audi Award for your work on the multicast, The Only Plane in the Sky and Oral History of 9-11, which also won the audio book of the year. Um, you've won some other awards and the American Library Association awarded you, awarded uh, your work on Sourdough by Robin Sloan as part of the 2018 Listen List, Outstanding Audiobook Narration for Adult Listeners. Okay, so I had to read that because my memory <laughs> isn't, uh, isn't what, well, actually it might never have been that. So you narrate audiobooks. Uh, I think that's kind of just putting in, in one word that really doesn't tell the story. Mm -hmm. uh, and what I'd like to do is audiobooks. Um, how did that even start? Totally by accident. I fell into it. I came to New York at 26 to pursue my dreams of being a professional actress. And after about three years, I fell into a class for audiobook narration taught by Robin Miles. And she told me I should be narrating audiobooks. I said, great, how do you do this? Didn't know anything about it, except my mom is a huge listener and fan of audiobooks and told me every other day, you should be recording books. And I'm like, ma, please, trying to be a real actor. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> audiobooks, what does that even mean? And, uh, you know, total snot. <laughs> now, 16 years later, I get to be like, you were right, mom. So um, I took a class with Robin. She said I should, I should do this. And she was teaching an intensive class and basically taught me and other students what goes into going into a sound booth, putting on your headphones and bringing what's written on a page to life with just your voice. And as a professional actor, I'm used to using my entire body, my face, my expressions to bring the character to you and the audience to life. So this was a whole new medium. This was still conveying the emotional uh, life and journey of each character, but just vocally. So, wow, what a whole new frontier for me as an actor. And uh, I have to say, which George Waddell told me, he's like the godfather of audiobook narration. Yes, you know yes. his name. Yes. He said to me when I was first starting out and I was like I couldn't even speak I was fangirling so hard in his presence but he said every book teaches him how to do the next book and every and what I loved about that was you never graduate you never arrive you just keep telling stories and learning from each one and I loved that and he was so right so I, that's I did I did I say how I landed it oh right 
So I took the class, I took her class, and then from her class, I auditioned for something randomly for BBC. And this is how the fate gods all go into play. Mike Charzik from Audible was at this studio because they were still building their headquarters in Newark, New Jersey. Heard my audition, called me in to audition for Audible. I was like, sure, what? <laughs> I got the scripts to read. I went in, I did them. He was like, this is great. You have a great voice. We're going to hire you for this, this, and this. And I finally got out of my day job at New York City, which was killing me softly, uh, but surely. And yeah, the rest is history. And it was super slow at first. It was like a book a month or whatever, but it just, with each book and with each introduction to the producers and the publishers and the networking events, I just began building relationships and friendships. And I'm happy to say 16 years later, I'm able to pay my rent. It's wonderful. Well, mortgage now. <laughs> okay. You're yeah. Able to put a roof over your head. Um, you know, <laughs> there is a journey that you took. Um, and I, I know that I've read some of your journey. Um, you started off working as I believe a therapist with, uh, teenagers, young adults. Yeah. How did that journey um, and what you've gone through in your life help you to portray these characters? Mm, that's an awesome question. So I, from 15 to 20, I had a real colorful adolescence and I basically did everything. My father said it was like watching a, a freight train going 300 miles heading straight for a brick wall. I was that crazy girl in the family. I'm one of eight kids. Um, I either, my mother would wake me up in the morning. I'd either have a nose ring in, a new tattoo, or my head, half my hair shaved. And all you would hear is Jesus, Mary, and St. Joseph. Jesus, <laughs> Mary, and St. Joseph. Joe, wait till you see what you did this time, right? <laughs> To say I was trying to find myself and discover myself through not the healthiest ways is putting it lightly. So I cleaned up my act at 20 years old. I got sober. I've been sober since then. I'm almost 25 years sober. Um, what happened was I went back to college with like a real determination. And I studied psychology because I was so fascinated about the choices that I made and other people around me were making. And I wanted to understand and so I graduated uh, with high honors in psychology as a member of PsyChi. Who knew sober wise, I'd have a brain in there. And I applied for grad school for um, acting and didn't get into any of the programs I applied for. And so what I did was I applied for jobs as soon as I graduated college and my first job was at a crisis center. And so what that means is that I worked with a master's level therapist and we would go meet the kid anywhere from age eight to 16, yeah, in the emergency room based on whatever trauma they had just endured, whether it was trying to kill themselves, um, acting out with their parents. Um, I mean, there was just a plethora. There was a plethora of stressors in the home. And so we would meet them in the ER, we would evaluate and then we would bring them to the crisis center, which was this beautifully refurnished uh, building where we would then have them with us with other uh, clients 
for about three to five days until myself and the master's level therapist would come up with a game plan. And then we did home-based therapy. So we sent the kid back home. But what this director understood was that that's where most of the problems were happening. And so we took therapy into the home and really got at the root of what was going on with these kids ending up thinking their only solution was to off themselves. Right. And I mean, I'm like 22, 23. I mean, I, I'm like emotionally 16 myself and I had such an education, such an amazing education with these kids. And what I learned really quickly is that I have this capacity to connect with teenagers and with young kids in a way that a lot of people can. And I think it's because I just, I'm ready to play at the, at a moment's notice. Like I see, I'm the crazy aunt in the family. I have 15 <laughs> nephews and nieces. Like, let's go party. But also because of that connection, they feel safe enough to then talk and open up when things settle down a little bit. And so it's a real gift because when I was growing up, that's what I needed. I needed someone to talk to and connect with. So I, I found myself pulled to this uh, population of, of adolescents to work with. And from the crisis center that closed with a, within a year because of public funding, it was a nonprofit. I moved on to a uh, residential facility for drug and alcohol treatment and mental health. And it was based in the woods. Um, what was the name of the town? Oh God, I'm having a total brain fart. It was in like Northeastern Pennsylvania, but nestled in the mountains. It was absolutely gorgeous. The drive out there, we're talking about the leaves right now. It was just stunning. And so again, it was kids ages um, 13 to 18. And a lot of them were court ordered to be there and they did a ton of um, nature-based therapy. But what I discovered was that I had this knack for drama therapy and I had this creativity that I could bring into my sessions with these kids that I never anticipated. Because if you sit there and you ask a 13 year old who's like sneaking out and drinking and drugging, what's going on? How do you feel? They have no clue. They're like, how do, how do I feel? Like I want to punch you in the face. Right? <laughs> but if you sit them with a group of their peers and you bring games in and you bring an empty chair in that can be anybody that they need to talk to or, or yell at or do anything, they came alive in a way that I could not anticipate. And so what happened is I started training and driving to Boston, Massachusetts and studying with Dr. Penny Lewis, who is deceased and Safira Linden on drama therapy, because what I realized was I had this tool in my hands and the catharsis that was taking place with these kids in a session was so fast because of the drama therapy happening that I really needed to be trained. I really needed to understand like how to do this. So that was my journey that's where I was going. And then at 26, I was like, I gotta go to New York City and give this a shot or I'm gonna regret it for the rest of my life. Because there was this niggling in my head that was like, this is amazing and I love this, but I just need to see if I can make it as a pro in the city, right? So at 26, I had applied and was accepted to Lesley University in Boston for my master's degree in expressive therapy which encompassed all the modalities 
writing, drama, music, art, dance. And I started the program and I just had this come to Jesus moment where I was like, I got to I got to go to New York. I got to give this a shot. I can always come back and get this degree, but I'm 26, which in New York terms is old, <laughs> apparently. Anyone's terms usually it used to be. Oh, so depressing. It's so depressing. And then I, uh, so I got to the city about 16 years ago and the rest is history. So this is, this is a uh, Therese Plummer part two. Well, part three. There's a lot of parts are there's, there's an infinite or infinite number of chapters of journeys. Each one is, is, is different. And aren't we lucky to be able to have that gumption, that, 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 that thing in our head that keeps going, you know, you got to give it a shot. I have to give it a shot. There's, you know, regrets are ridiculous. Why not? But everything that you've just talked about, you are able to take into your storytelling because it's not just narrating books. You're telling a story. You're, you're taking the voice of the author. You're interpreting it. Um, and it almost sounds like it's more difficult than acting where you have you know, one particular part and as you said, you get to move around, but as both of us are doing right now, we're using our hands. I'm sorry, but I can't, <laughs> you know, I just do. So how did you, how do you go about telling a story and, and being able to use your voice to really get that story across? Okay. That is, your questions are beautiful. Thank you. They're so beautiful and so thoughtful. Um, well, thank you. I spent so many years listening to these kids. And then the last year that I worked with all adult men, 26 years old, I had another therapist in the room with me, group therapy every day, scary ass men men that beat their wives, beat their kids, probably beat their dogs, um, recovering drug addicts, alcoholics in this room, 26 years old. What I learned, I only had one incident where someone had a psychotic break and like lunged for me. And that was, you know, a game changer. But until then, what happened was I listened. And what I, the education I received and what I'm able to bring, the emotional life I'm able to bring to the characters of these stories because of listening, the fans seem to really connect with it. I seem to really connect with it. When my authors ask like, where do you get this? And I'm like, I didn't sit in a classroom and study acting for four years. What I was able to do was for five years, sit in a classroom of humans, right? The greatest, the greatest teachers of my life, other humans going through the biggest struggles of their lives and, and at a crossroad in their lives where they were like, I'm either going to keep going left and completely sabotaging my life, or I'm going to change everything. And listening to a 45 year old man who's like beating his wife. I don't mean to be graphic. I'm sorry. It's um, life. Is it okay? Okay. Yes beaten his wife and uh, killed himself on the daily with crystal meth and with, with uh, booze and stuff, sit there and just 
break down because his oldest daughter says in a group therapy session, in a letter that she wrote to him, I want you to be able to walk me down the aisle. Oh, that's powerful. <laughs> and I, I don't know why at 26 years old, I was able to be a witness to, like I have chills right now remembering that because I felt unworthy at times being able to be a witness to human connection like that. And so when an author writes a story and they create a scene where that same human connection is happening and occurring, I've been there, I've lived it, I've experienced it, I've ingested it so that I'm able to bring it to life for you and hopefully do it justice. There's probably times I completely blow it, right? But there's most times I can go back with my muscle memory and remember that room and remember that scene. And my voice is able to like bring it to life for you. Well, what I do know is that you have touched people. You've touched the, you, the way you've narrated or storytell. I still have the narration to me, that word just doesn't do it justice. Uh, you've received mail from veterans with PTSD and family members of the blind, among others. So you've actually received fan mail, mail from people who have told you how much you have helped them, how much you've brought the story to life, how much they've connected. So... Um, what you're doing sounds like you've taken your life story or your life travels and journeys and have been able to instill in these stories by authors so much of you in, in mm. your voice. And also, I know that some of the accents you learned from your dad. A little humor. <laughs> He is the best. He, we, and I told him this recently. I said, you know, I'm lucky enough to have both my parents still alive and married to, you know, just it's, I know it's a total gift and a blessing, especially in these times. But I said to him, I never knew who I was going to come down and meet in the morning for French toast. There's either an Italian guy in there or some French guy. Like I had no idea. And he's just, <laughs> I said, dad, it was great. At the time, it was annoying as anything, but in hindsight, it was amazing. It was so colorful and so fresh, and I'm your daughter, so I absorbed all of it, you know? So what was your favorite, what has so far been your favorite um, book that you've uh, story told, that you've narrated? Can I do top three? Of course you can. Okay. It's so hard to do. Yeah. Whenever I'm asked this question, I always say um, The Snow Child by Aon Ivy is my favorite because it's an adult fairy tale. Okay. And Aon, I have so much respect for writers I, because I bring their words to life, but I don't know how you pick the right words to put on the page in an order that creates this whole movie scene in my head. I just... I'm, I, I'm, I'm trying to be a writer myself and I'm, I'm just in awe of people that can do it really, really well. Each of her characters are so breathtaking that when I finished prepping the book, which every time I get a book, I, uh, I read through the entire thing so that I'm familiar with what I'm going into. 
I know you you don't like the word narrating. What if we said perform? Yeah, well, per- you're performing. Yeah. There you go. You're performing. We're changing it right now. Audiobook performer, right? Or yeah, storyteller, perf- whatever, whatever you want to say. Yeah, I know because I agree with you. Narration is just one part. All those characters around the narration is what the gift is of an audiobook experience, right? So I love it. I love that that was like not feeling right. Um yeah, so sorry, I got on a tangent. Top three: uh, Snow Child by Ao and Ivy, okay. Faith by Jennifer Haig. That one's intense. Boston. And number three. <sighs> I'm gonna say Rust and Stardust by T Greenwood. Okay. All have right. you heard it? No, but I will. <laughs> now I have. So As a, I want to say to anyone that is listening to this and is like, oh, okay, these, these one, okay. Rust and Stardust and Faith are heavy. Um, the Snow Child is breathtaking. I just want to forewarn you that Rust and Stardust is, you know, it's about an 11 year old that gets kidnapped, but the story is phenomenal, phenomenal phenomenal. And please know that the kidnapper that I had to embody with my voice was definitely someone I worked with back in the day. <laughs> right. Um, and the voice, know, just the- well, I've also, what I did here, cause I went on your website, of course, and I did my, you know, uh, research as it were called, um, your Yelp, um, yeah, Yelp <laughs> reviews. Now, if somebody needs just a lighthearted, I mean, it was great. It was really great. So your mother is or was a librarian. I don't know whether she's retired. Um, Retired. Okay. And I know that she got you started loving books, but she also thought you should uh, perform books. You should be a book performer. She's a librarian. Books. How... How did she all of a sudden decide that audiobooks were um, the same, if not for some people better, than taking up a book and reading it? I mean, I've always been an avid reader. Um, it took me a long time to say, all right, I won't have a physical book anymore. I'll do a Kindle. And I've yeah. just started, uh, actually, you know, to be honest, um, I once told someone I didn't read their book and I was told he shouldn't do that. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I was just being honest. And uh, so I started audiobooks and I'm still, um, I'm loving some of them, um, but I'm still kind of in my own head um, trying to figure out because to me, a book was always an escapism into, you know, whatever. Um, but there are people like you who have the talent to be able to really transform that book into something that maybe the written word as you're reading it doesn't, you know, doesn't show. It, mm. head and you're bringing something else in. Um, do you feel that is one better than the other? Does your, is your mom now totally into audiobooks? 
No, well, my mom was like the number one audiobook fan forever. I never even knew what an audiobook was, but apparently she had to commute an hour to work both ways in Delaware and she listened to the discs or no to the tapes. She's been listening to that long, the tapes. And she said to read, well, my mom also was my forensics and debate coach in high school. So she knew that I could talk good. <laughs> Just kidding. Talk. That's right. I talk good, Ma. She's like, Therese, you need to do this. She's like, some of these narrators, oh my God. My mom's from Valley Stream, Long Island. So sometimes we like go, oh, we, we Acid Hills, Long Island. I mean, come on. Come on. I'm like, Ma. God, this dog is adorable. I'm like, she's like, now Therese, I'm like, ma, please, I'm trying to get on Broadway and like be a movie star. And she's like, okay, well, in the meantime, can you look into doing an audiobook? And I was like, well, why? And she goes, Therese, the right reader will just suck you in and like create this whole world for you. So, you know, I know my experience was books were my complete escape growing up. And it, I could not wait for school to be over so I could get to the next chapter. And it was just this, it was such a gift, right? You were like, best TV show ever um, in your head. So now when I have fans or listeners get in touch with me and say, I create that for them. And especially during this tumultuous time in history, when they say you bring so much joy to my life, like, thank you for this escape. Thank you for like rem reminding me to breathe by just being such a calm reader. <laughs> I'm like love and service, man. This is fantastic. Cause I miss working with the kids. I really do because I was in such an active service for five years. And I was like, Oh God, now I'm like trying to be an actor and it's all about me. And it's just, uh, what I finally understood, and I think it takes time, I think it takes uh, a little bit of emotional maturity as I understand what I do creatively is service to the world, you know, performing these books. It is. It definitely you, is. Yeah. I mean, think about, yeah. especially in this crazy world we're in, in the pandemic where, and with winter coming on, um, with, with cold weather, you, you get tired of sitting in front of a, a, a TV. I mean, we're, I'm afraid of turning the TV on these days, but um, you can you can sit back and listen, or you could even be in the kitchen. Well, I'm not cooking that much, but you know, you're supposed to. Or you could be doing a jigsaw puzzle because that's the other thing that people are doing. I'm sure they'll go back to it. Hurry up and buy your jigsaw puzzles and your paint adult paint by, you know, I got my puzzle, my cat barfed all over it. It had to go in the garbage, but yeah, they can do laundry. They can do dishes and listen at the same time. It's fantastic. It, it's, it's taking you away. Remember it, it, the old commercial Calgon take me away. <laughs> <laughs> and for anyone who's listening, who doesn't know that Google Calgon. <laughs> yeah, please. Please, we've just like hated ourselves. Well, and I have a girlfriend who does the same work as myself and she's amazing at it, Piper Goodeve. And she lives in Brooklyn a part of the time and just the neighbors are incessantly loud. And so even to escape that kind of stuff, the noise of the city, the noise of like anything else, the noise of your head, throw on the noise canceling, throw in a book and let the movie just play in your imagination. I mean, welcome back to the oldest art form there is, right? And people are like, well, is it reading? And I'm like, it's whatever you want it to be, man. We don't have to label it. It's you're being told a story and you're having an imaginative experience. Go with it. Don't label it. <laughs> so what author um, that you haven't uh, performed their book 
what author would you, um, in, if you had your brothers, who would you love to um, perform? My dream is to, it's already been recorded, but my dream is to record Wild by Cheryl Strayed because it's, it's my story and it's her story, but it's, a, you know, as an author, you, you are vulnerable enough to write your story and then it connects with another girl across the country. And that's the whole point of doing it, right? Is to just connect. And so I would love to record that, so, but it's been done. <laughs> so how are you staying grounded in, in these uh, nutty times that we're in, these frightening, scary, nutty, insane times? Admitting that it's scary and it's nutty and not trying to go into denial, like it's all good, whatever, everything, like allowing myself to have a cry, um, allowing myself to scream into my pillows, allowing myself to get my news from Stephen Colbert, Trevor Noah, John Oliver. <laughs> um, I like him. I can't, yeah, I can't handle the real deal. It's just too, it's, I'm, it's too scary. Adopting a beautiful seven month old dog from a kill shelter and giving him all the love I have. Um, recording stories, breathing, meditating. I just posted for the first time today, a little love note from me to everyone. Um, basically saying, I got your back and we're going to be okay. It's about a two minute video on my YouTube channel. And it's just, I felt really inspired during this time being home because of everything I've lived through and gone through. And now what we're all going through globally, I feel as if that message coming from my heart, it really means something. I've been there, I've been at the bottom and uh, we're all kind of at the bottom right now, but the sun is shining, we're gonna be okay. So that's kind of what I'm doing. Oh, and I'm writing, I'm trying to write. It's well, so that's great. That's yes, thank you. And would you perform your own book? Maybe. Maybe a part of it. I'd love to give another actress uh, a job and okay. let her make the money and, and have fun with some words. <laughs> There's so many talented women out there that are like amazing. I'd love to hire someone and just be like, here you go. Have fun. I'll direct you. <laughs> <I'm just kidding. laughs> well, I was going to ask you to leave some, you know, words of wisdom, but you already did. And um, I just, uh, I am... Um, so in awe of what you have done. And you're a performer of books. You're not a narrator, you're a performer of books. See that actress? And you get to use your hands. I'm sure that probably if you have the mic and the headphones and whatever, as long as you don't tap and hit something, it'll be right. Because I can see Therese, this has been wonderful. What is your website? Uh, how do people find you? You can find me at www.thereseplumber.com. That's T-H-E-R-E-S-E-P-L-U-M-M-E-R.com. And I'm all over social media. So go ahead and give a follow. I just pronounced your name wrong. No. Um, that wasn't, you know, <laughs> I'm so bad with all that. I think I have people introduce themselves. Thank you so much. This has been so much fun. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining me today. If you liked what you heard, please share it with another person you think would be interested. And if you haven't already, please subscribe.
Join me next week when I talk to another extraordinary, inspiring woman. This has been a Life of Prey production.